Hey, let's run over to Colossians chapter 3. Let's look into the Word of God. And we got a few things to say here. First of all, uh, uh, the singletons are not here. It's not because they're not sick. Terry's father passed away. And so they're, they're not here for that. So we want to remember them in prayer too. And then yesterday we laid Harold's father to rest. Okay. So in, in Colossians chapter 3, and we, we know these scripture verses almost by heart, but let's look at them again. And uh, I'm going to just read 1, 2, and 3. Okay. And uh, if then you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. Does anybody here have set your affections? Yeah, set your affections on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I love those scripture verses. Father God, we thank you and we give you praise and we give you glory. Now, Lord, we pray that you just bring this word out, Lord, so that we understand exactly what Holy Spirit is saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to go over to Isaiah chapter 53, but we're going to come back to Colossians because that's going to be our, our text for today, Colossians. But in Isaiah chapter 53, there's some things that we find out about Jesus in, in Isaiah chapter 53. And as I was walking, as, as uh, I was standing by the door last week, and uh, uh, Sister Duffus walked by me, she said, it's good to hear about the blood. She said, it's good to hear about the blood. And, and we don't speak about the blood enough. I, in this church, we do speak about the blood. But we don't speak about the blood enough, and we need to speak more about the blood because it's, it, 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 it's about the blood. It's about the cross. It's about Jesus Christ being the ransom for our sin, and not only for our sin, but also for being our healer. And so, you know, there's certain kingdom principles and kingdom principles work whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. For instance, if you give, it'll be given back to you, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. Now, you, you might not like Oprah Winfrey, and I, I certainly do not care about her New Age religion. I don't care about that. But one thing about Oprah Winfrey is that she gives a lot of money. She gives a lot of money. Now, I don't think that she gives too much money, if she gives any, to Christian institutions. But she does give a lot of money around the world. And she is blessed because of that. And even though she doesn't understand why she's blessed, she's blessed because it's a kingdom principle. And a kingdom principle is, if you give, you'll receive. That's it. We haven't taken up the offering yet. I just thought of that. Okay. But in, in, in a little while, then you're going you're gonna, uh, to given a, you're gonna be given a chance to test that kingdom principle. Is God, does God do what he says he does? Okay, a kingdom principle. Another kingdom principle is marriage. Marriage is a kingdom principle. So you, you, take, uh, you take a family that's got mom and dad in it, and they're raising children then you know what? A lot of times those children are going to come out pretty good. 
They really are. Whether they're going to, whether they're in Christian homes or whether they're not in Christian homes. Okay. And so you take blended families, for instance, that have dedicated the blended family over to the Lord and set up kingdom principles. It's amazing what God does. It's called a kingdom principle and, and holy matrimony right now between a man and a woman is one thing that's being uh, affected right now in our United States of Americans being attacked is, is holy matrimony. But in God's, in God's, uh, a court it's still real and it's called holy matrimony because it's given from God and that's a kingdom principle another kingdom principle is is for instance a, b- a banker teaches his kid how to to handle finances most of the time what that young man or young woman's going to be able to handle finances it's called a kingdom principle there's kingdom principles that God honors even when when sinners do them now, they don't have the, the, the reward of eternal life, but they do have the, the blessing of God when a kingdom principle is established in their life. That's why it's hard to get good people saved. It's hard to get a farmer saved. The reason why it's hard to get a farmer saved is because they're good people. And they really are good people. They feed people. They know they do. And I'll tell you something. I, it's, it, it, have you ever really met a farmer that was not a good person? Most farmers are good people. They really are. And they're moral. And and it's hard sometimes to get farmers saved. Now, I'm not saying you can't get a farmer saved. Okay, don't go out here and say, you know. I'm saying it's hard to get good people saved. Because good people feel they are good. And that's going to take them to heaven. It's called kingdom principles. And God has set up those kingdom principles so one day, Doc, Doc Shell was uh, preaching about common sal- uh, a common grace, and we all live under a common grace. And if we didn't live under the common grace, then the devil would kill all of us. So while we live under the common grace, the sinner and the, the, the saved live under that common grace. If there wasn't common grace, the devil would just take all human beings out. The, de- the devil doesn't love sinners. I mean, you know, you take a guy that's a pedophile and he's the worst person that ever lived on earth and you think, man, God, the devil loves him. Devil don't love him. He hates him. The devil loves no humankind whatsoever. How many of you know that? So it's called common grace. And so God lets us live in the common grace. For instance, does the rain fall on the just and the unjust? That's called common grace. Does the sun shine on the just and the unjust? Yes, that's called common grace. We live under that. But so then God set up kingdom principles. But to those who understand the kingdom principles and love the Lord, they're tremendous in our life. Because then what they do is that they bless us through this life that God has given us. So I want to go back and show you some things that God has done. First of all, Jesus stripes was for our healing and blood is involved in that he took he took the stripes for our healing he goes to the cross and sheds his blood now listen to what Jesus did not do Jesus did not spill his blood he shed his blood for our sins he shed his blood as the ultimate sacrifice for our sin when jesus christ goes to the cross he does something at the cross he nails the robe of humanity to the cross and he also takes our sins to the cross now understand something he who knew no sin became sin for you and i and how did he do that by the shedding of his blood 
by the shedding of his blood. So his blood saves us and it heals us. And another thing that his blood does is that it washes our sins completely away. Say amen to that. When you came to the Lord, aren't you glad that your sins are gone? Right? You know, I know that we must all, this is talking about Christians, we must all stand before the judgment seat of God, Christ, and we must give an account for the deeds that we've done in our body, in our body, whether good or evil, okay? But it's not talking about sin. It's talking about missed opportunities that we've had, that when we had the chance to testify to somebody and we didn't testify to them. I'm not talking about in here in church, me making you do that, okay? I'm talking about when you go outside and you have an opportunity to testify. Did you do it? When you see somebody in need and God said, I want you to give to them did you talk yourself out of it that's a deed that's a good deed that God has set up there's works that God has set up beforehand the Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 it says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that were prepared for us beforehand and so it's not works that is going to get us into heaven but once we got saved then God has given us works that we might do so that we might be blessed in this life and those works that he give us to do he prepared before the foundation of the world them for you and I that we might be blessed and so one day we'll be we'll give an account for that you know I met a man the other day and I knew that he was called into ministry he knew he was called into ministry he's he uh, was a very very good businessman and he made it good in business and now he's coming to the end of he's like me he's getting older and now he sees hey he's got about a chapter left in his life and here's what he understands he understands you know what I should have been preaching all this time I remember hearing a testimony from the, the vice president of General Motors, this is some years ago, and he was giving a witness to some uh, youth, and here's what he said to the youth. He said, you can either have God's perfect will in your life, or you can have his permissive will in your life, which is his permission. He said, you can have that. He said, I should have been an evangelist. He said, but I wanted cars, and I wanted a house, and I wanted all of these things. He said, and I serve the Lord. He said, so I chose to live in God's permission. Now, he said, I give a lot of money, he said, to uh, 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 foreign missions. He said, I give a lot of money to a lot of places. He said, but it still doesn't take care of what's inside me. I should have been an evangelist. That would have been God's perfect will. We need those things in our life. God has set those up for us. Now, how do you do that? He set it up through the cross. And so it's, it's, it's about the blood, it's about the shedding of blood, it's about the forgiveness of sins, and it's about receiving him as our personal savior. And so when we look at these things, Jesus set these things all up. Now, here's what I want you to understand about Isaiah 53, and then we're going to get into Colossians. Jesus' stripes is for our healing, okay? The cross is for our salvation, his blood has taken our sins away. And yes, we will stand before the judgment seat of God. But what are we going to give an account for? We're going to give an account for, listen, abortion. Where do we stand on that? The different things. I, I was watching uh, the return here in this church yesterday when uh, wasn't Ben Carson. It was one of those guys. He started talking about abortion. 
And I realized something. You know that born-again Christians don't kill their children. Do you know that? I bet if you look at the statistical rate of born-again Christians and abortion, I bet it is so small you can't wouldn't believe it. So born-again Christians don't kill their children. So who are we campaigning for? The unborn of the world. So that there will be a revival that takes place in the world that men might come to know Jesus Christ. And so those unborn babies, how do we know? what they're going to be if they are allowed to live. And so we're championing, not for our children, because we, we keep our children, but we're championing for people who don't know Christ that are destroying their children. Somebody say amen on that. And so the church is very much needed there. So, so we, we look at these type of things and we say, okay, I'm watching that return and I'm saying, man, God, you are still on the throne and you are still going to get this thing done. That should have encouraged everybody that watched it. Did it encourage you when you watched that? All right. So everyone who is born has their name written in the book of life. Everyone who is born has their name written in the book of life. So somebody says, has your name been written in the book of life? So we, we think about our name being written in the book of life when we get saved. Isn't that right? But our name is written in the book of life when we're born. Now, here's what you got to understand. Has your name been taken out of the book of life? How many of you got a hold of that? Has your name been taken out of the book of life? Because when you stand, if you stand before the great white judgment throne of God, and hope, hopefully you don't because you're saved, but if you stand, the books are going to be open. And guess what? The book of life's going to be open. And it's going to, is your name been taken out of the book of life? My dad taught me one day, he said, you know, he said, everybody that's born has a crown of life. And I said, is that right? Because see, we believe that we receive our crown of life when we get saved. He said, everyone has a crown of life. He said, but not everyone will wear it. Isn't that amazing? You know, that is amazing to me. And so, so we, we look at that and we see those things. And so is your name. Been, uh, has your name, I guess, put it this way, been taken out of the book of life? See, because there's something that happens when, when we get saved. When we get saved, we're born again. When we get saved, Jesus Christ becomes our personal Savior. And when we get saved, then the kingdom of God opens up to us and everything in his kingdom. So Isaiah 53 in verses 4 and 5, he says something. He says, now he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. So this is, this is talking about pain. And what he's done, he has bore our pain, and he has taken upon himself our pain, and so he has relieved us from pain. Now listen, the pain I'm talking about is that he has relieved us from the pain of death. We did that funeral yesterday, and when we did that funeral yesterday, I was explaining to those people, now my brother-in-law got saved at the 11th hour. He got saved right at the right at the last of his life, and uh, uh, it, it was an amazing salvation that he got. And and but here's I, I was telling his family here's something that did not happen to him. He did not feel the pain of death. If you're saved and born again, when you pass away, if if Jesus doesn't come first. You are not going to feel the horrible pain of death because Jesus took that at the cross. 
He was the last man to take the pain of death. And, and uh, uh, Paul teaches in the book of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? He says, because the sting of death is sin. How many of you know that when sin is removed out of your life, then the sting of death is removed out of your life? And so then death is not horrible for those who love the Lord. Why? Because they're covered by the blood of the Lamb and they've been healed for time and eternity. When your loved ones passed away and they were born again, they just went to be with Jesus. How many of you know that? And, and you know what? If in the Old Testament God allowed the angels to carry uh, Lazarus, to, to paradise, then I think God still does that today. I think that God still allows angels to take us and carry us to heaven. Can you say amen to that? I don't have any proof for that whatsoever, but I believe that if he did it in the Old Testament, he certainly still does it now, but this is one thing I know. I know that there's no pain in death. I know that the horribleness of death has been taken away, and so we just go from this life to the next life, and we just change. And what we change is that we change into what God has already designated for us to be. This is a shell, people, and your shell is getting old, and your shell is getting sick, and there's certain things about your shell right here, but that's not who you are. You are that man that's inside there, and that man that's inside of you, guess what? He's never growing old. You know what? I'm 71 years old, and inside I still feel like when I'm 16. I feel that way. Now, I can't get, the doctor said this to me. I said, hey, give me an exercise. He said, get, do five get-ups. And I said, well, what's a get-up? He said, get down on the floor and get up. And I said, well, I can do that. He said, I bet you can't. I got down on the floor and couldn't get up. So I, I go to crawl chair. No, no, he said, you can't use a chair. Get up. Well, I can't do five get-ups. How about that? I bet you can't either. But inside I felt like I could, right? But Because the, the man inside is still young. Hey, I'm going to step out on a limb and say this. I don't know this to be accurate either. But Jesus passed away at the age of 33. I think when we all get to heaven, we're 33. Yes. 133, <laughs> yeah. 133, the best time of your life. Really? Okay, that was mine. It was pretty good. But, but you're, you're a shell, and, and the, the man inside of you, he's not growing old. There's nothing about that guy inside of you that, that, that's growing old. He's not growing old. Your body is, you know, and, and your heart is, and different things are. But that, the spirit man inside of you, he's not growing old. And he's going to live forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? So he says this. He's, he says in, in Isaiah chapter 53, he says, He bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Now, he was pierced through for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Now, the word crushed doesn't mean that his bones were broken. It means he was cast down, he was humbled, and he was afflicted. He was crushed. Uh, for our transgressions and the iniquities is is the uh, uh, perversity of the sin and guilt that's inside of us now listen to what david said david said i was born in sin and shapen in iniquity and we all are we're born in sin and shapen in iniquity this is a, this is an interesting thing that when the sinner stands before god you know he's not going to give an account for his sin do you know that He's not going to give an account for his sin. He gave an account for his sin when Jesus Christ died on the cross. 
You say, well, what's he going to give an account for? He's going to give an account because he never received the Savior who took away his sin and covered him by the blood. The greatest transgression that a man will ever have when he faces God is, my son went to the cross, shed his blood, took the stripes for your healing, and you rejected him. You have no right to live in heaven. And here's an interesting thing. You know, God never made hell for man. How many of you understand? God never made hell for man. He made hell for the angels who had rejected him in heaven. That's who he made hell for. Why does man go? Because man rejects him. And you can't reject him. Why does men go to heaven? Because they have received him and have been covered by the blood. And that blood covered their sin. It's called propitiation. It is the atoning sacrifice that God planned for you and I. And he planned at one time for you and I. And that was good enough. Can you say amen? Praise the name of the Lord. So he was crushed for our iniquities. He, he took on our, our sins, according to Isaiah. And then he said the chastening or the, ch the chastisement for our well-being fell upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All right, now I want to go over to Colossians because I want to look at something. Now, if you're saved, what you have done is that you have put on a new person. If you're saved. If you have come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and have received him. Now, how do you, how do you take Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You know, you, you do not sit up here and just weep. There are things that you do to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. First of all, you can't even come to the Lord with your sin and transgression unless Holy Spirit calls you. You can't. You, you sit there forever if he doesn't call you. Will he call you? Yes, he will. And why will he call you? Because he loves you. But you can't come to the Lord till the Holy Spirit comes and, and convicts you of sin. And he's going to convict you of sin. And when he convicts you of sin, he's going to say, guess what? You have sinned. Now you have to die. That does not sound good. You've sinned and you have to die. And so you say, okay, I've sinned. Now, the word repent means that you have turned from sin and turned to God. That's number one. Now, the word repentance means that you have a whole change of mind, how you used to think and how you think now. So you have repentance takes place in your mind. Repenting takes place in the physical. Can you say amen? Now, when you repent, here's what you're doing. You're agreeing with God that you're a sinner. You're agreeing with God that you're a sinner because he already knows. So you have to know that you're a sinner. It's not God really saying, you're a sinner. You have to come to the conclusion that you are a sinner and you are without God. And so you look at those things, and when those things all come together, then all of a sudden now, God's going to do something in your life. What he's going to do, Holy Spirit's going to say, okay, do you understand what I just said to you? Yes, I do. And then you just start crying because you understand that you are a sinner. People say, you don't have to cry to get saved. No, you don't. But how come we always do? Huh? Yeah, I've, I've, I don't know very many people that have gotten saved without crying. 
Hey, you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to bow before the Lord. My goodness, I've done that twice now. Father God, I pray that you touch me. And Father, I, I just told you that every time I preached your word, I would bow before you. I bow before you because you're Lord and you're Savior, my King. I bow before you because you're the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and there's none other like you. And I praise you and I give you glory. And I thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have agreed now that, that we're sinners. And so when we are sinners, the Holy Spirit says, now here's what's going to take place in your life. Brenda, you're going to die. You're going to die. Now that would be a horrible thing if that's where he ended it. He says this, but he's going to say, Brenda, I'm going to put a new person inside of you. And the old man is passed away. And now I'm going to put a brand new person inside of you. Now, I'm, I'm saying to Brenda, because God done a miraculous thing in her life about 15 years ago now. And totally healed you of cancer, didn't he? And, and just touched her body. And so, so he said, now I'm putting a new person inside of you. And the person, you're going to be a new person and you're going to be filled now with my Holy Spirit. And now I'm going to be able to teach you what I need to teach you. Isn't that wonderful? And so we find that we come to the Lord. And so after we've repented, here's what we do. We, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's a must. And you say, why, why do we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord? Because listen. Because the devil doesn't want you to say that. He does not want you to have a testimony. And the first time you say Jesus is Lord, there's things that just start to break off of you. They'll just start to break off of you when you can do that. The hardest thing that a man has to do, and, and people say he doesn't have, have, have to do it. I think he does, but I guess he doesn't have to do it, is take that walk down that aisle. That's a hard walk. And when you, if, if you're not saved and, and the Holy Spirit is, is convicting you of, of sin and you, you, you say, oh, I, boy, you, you'll have everything under the sun not to go down that aisle. And Holy Spirit's saying, go down the aisle. And I mean the devil is fighting like you can't believe and the Holy Spirit's saying, go down the aisle. Sometimes when you're really, really sick and you know you need hands laid on you, I am telling you right now, the hardest thing to do is go down that aisle. But here's what happens. When you go down that aisle, you're confessing before men that you are just about to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's touching every time you watch a Billy Graham crusade and he gives an invitation and all of those people start getting up and they start going to that aisle. It has to touch you. It affects you. You know it does. And you know what? You're sitting in your chair weeping and you're already saved. Why are you weeping? You are weeping because you see people coming to the Lord. How do you know they're coming to the Lord? They got up. Now, anymore, what we do is we say, okay, raise your hand and this stuff. But boy, there's nothing like coming down the aisle. Because, listen, he says, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Boy, that's the big deal right now. Is Jesus Christ, has he been raised from the dead? You know what? Was it the Beatles that said God is dead? Was it the Beatles that said that? Somebody said that God is dead. They're all dead. 
Okay, God still reigns. How many of you know that the world doesn't want us to talk about Jesus Christ? And you can talk about Muhammad, you can talk about Buddha, you can talk about anybody you want to talk to, you can talk about Islam, you can talk about the... And you know, I don't understand, if you're a liberal, here, I don't understand this. I really don't understand how a woman could be a liberal and, and, and uh, 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 endorse the Muslim religion. Because that really makes her a second-class citizen. I don't understand that. Anyway, that's not part of the sermon. But anyway, just coming down the aisle, receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So you confess with your mouth, and then you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's a big deal. And that's the biggest deal of all, that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And you know what? It's by faith that you have to do that. You know, I, what, one of the guys was talking on that return. He said, you know, he said two, two planets bump into each other and they create another planet. He said, now that takes faith. He said the Big Bang Theory. He said, now that takes faith to believe that. Oh, boy, think about that. But anyway, so now, now we're saved. Everybody's saved, right? So everybody say, I'm saved. Okay, so everybody's saved. Now, so now that we find out that we're saved. All right, so what has happened now is the old man has died, and a new man has taken his place. Holy Spirit has convicted us of sin, and we know that we're a sinner, and so then we give our hearts to the Lord. Now a new man takes, uh, comes alive inside of us, and so now the Holy Spirit abides in me. There's a new me inside. Even though I look like the same me, I'm a new me, right? I, I think Tom Heath has one of the best testimonies of anybody that I've ever heard in my life. Tom Heath said he drank a case of beer a day, minimum. A case of beer a day, minimum. And, and uh, he, he said that he, he did all kinds of stuff, okay? And he just needed to get saved, and he called a, a pastor up. He gave his heart to the Lord, and he got saved, and he changed in an instant, he quit drinking that day. He quit running around that day. He quit everything that day because a new man took place inside of him. But the best part of that testimony was his wife said he went out one man and came back another. He went out one man and he came back another. Now, she didn't like the one that came back because she wasn't saved and she she couldn't she she would have rather had him the other way because she had learned how to live with that old man now listen to me don't learn how to live with that guy he's dead how many of you understand that and so somebody said to me one time said well the old man just showed up again because they, they had done something and i said the old man didn't show up again if you're saved he's dead well, he shows up every now and then. I said, he can't. Why? I said, he's dead. Only God can resurrect the dead, and God's not going to resurrect that old man. Why would he do anything like that? Isn't that right? So now we got a new man inside of us. And when we have this new man inside of us, then we start seeing things differently. Now, can I pick on you just a little bit? And this, is, this is Doris's fault. Okay? I'm blaming it on Doris. All right. Doris said, I was praying, and she said, I realized I wasn't praying right. And she said, I realized I was praying in a way I shouldn't be praying. I said, mm, that's amazing. See, because what happens when you pray, how do you pray? Do you pray out of fear or do you pray out of faith? Oh, God, 
please don't let this happen to my family. Now, you're starting to beg God, and, you're, and, and the devil sees that fear. You're praying right out of fear. And when he sees that, how you pray out of fear, then he knows exactly how to attack you. Your prayer life, the devil listens to. Boy, you guys are all paying attention to me today. That's an amazing thing to me. Some of you usually fall asleep. Okay. You won't smile, but you're listening. All right. So, so you've got to be careful how you pray because sometimes when you pray, you start to pray out of fear. And the devil understands that because even though God listens to your prayer, the devil listens to your prayer also because he wants to know how to attack you. So how do you pray then? You start to pray by what is written in the word. Go to the word and pray what is written in the word. Here's what's written in the word. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, saith the Lord. That's written in the word. The word says, if God is for me, then who can be against me? That is written in the word. Just go. If you want it, just pray for an hour. Just go around here and read these banners. And what they'll do is they'll increase your faith. So, so it's how you pray. You want to pray for somebody, then pray for somebody in faith and with victory. And don't pray out of fear because the devil hears your prayer as well as God hears your prayer. And so the devil then will know how to attack you. Does that make sense to anybody? And so we see this. Okay, so I'm trying to get to a point and I'm going to try to finish it up. And I know you're all happy about that. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter, seven, uh, chapter 5 and 17, it says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I'm sorry, that's Col Col Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. But 2 Corinthians is, is, is uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I'm stuttering this morning. I'm sorry about that. Okay, but in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 17, he says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and now, behold, all things have become new. And so when we see that word, behold, what has happened is now God has illuminated and made everything bright. Behold, it's the same word that the angels used. Behold, God has illuminated everything inside of you. He has made everything bright inside of you. So you'll understand that the old man has passed away and now God is going to do a brand new work inside of you because you are a brand new person in the Lord. Is that not totally amazing? So now let's go over to the text and we're going to spend five minutes in the text. In Colossians chapter three and verse one. If then you have been raised up with Christ, okay, and so when it means you have been raised up with Christ, means you've been raised up from the dead, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. They've died. Behold, illumination. All things have become new. You have been born again. You are without sin. You are perfect in the sight of God. Whoa. Now, I want you to look at your husband or your wife or friend and say, I'm perfect. And now the other person says, in the sight of God. You didn't get it, did you? You say, look at your husband and say, I'm perfect. And he's going to say, in the sight of God. <laughs> okay. You guys are hard on me. 
All right. So, so we've been made perfect in the sight of God. We've been born again. And so, therefore, now what we're going to do is we're going to establish kingdom principles. Everybody say kingdom principles. So now that we're born again, we're going to establish kingdom principles. And now we're going to receive blessing from those kingdom principles here while we're on earth and also treasure laid up in heaven. How many of you want treasure laid up in heaven? Well, God has, has uh, made good works for you beforehand so that you would do them so that you have treasure that is laid up in heaven. Now, the, the verse says this. It says, keep seeking. That's present tense. Keep seeking. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So be an active seeker of the Lord. Be an active seeker of the kingdom. Be an active seeker. Do not be somebody that just sits down and complains. Man, complaining Christians are hard on me. Because I have to be nice to you. And I don't want to be. Okay, that got some smiles. But there's nothing worse than a, a, a person that's born again complaining. Oh, my goodness. You know, I do that sometimes, too. Ooh, I'm, I'm guilty. Man, you guys are, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. You can be moved right now. Okay, here we go. But, but there's nothing worse. But the Bible, he's teaching us here in, in Colossians, he's saying, be an active Christian and be one who is seeking the kingdom of God continually in your waking hours. Continue to seek the kingdom of God. Everything in your life, continue to seek the kingdom of God and be diligent about it. And I tell you this, if you are diligent about seeking the kingdom of God, you won't be a complainer or a grumbler. A grumbler is one who has too much time on their hands. Hey, you know, some of you have road rage. I don't have road rage. I really don't. I just run into them. Okay. No. I don't. But you have road rage. Here's the deal. You're the one. Your heart's getting all set, everything. And they're just going on their merry way trying to kill other people. You know? Okay. So he says, keep seeking. Be deliberate about it. Seek, Jesus said, and you shall find. Seek what? The things that are above. The kingdom principles that God has for us. He says, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, you say, but that's Jesus. Well, listen to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. This is talking about us. Those who are born again are seated with God in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you look at, at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, you're going to see that you're seated with Christ in God. That's where you're seated. So if you are seated with Christ in God because of what took place at the cross, isn't that totally amazing? Then what benefit is God going to leave out? He's not going to leave any benefits out. What he's going to do is going to give you all the benefits. And you say, Pastor, what are they? And I'm going to say, read the word. Because if you don't know what the benefits are, you're not reading the word. 
Because the, the word of God will teach you what the benefits are. I know all we're concerned about is going to heaven. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of things far more important right now here on this earth than going to heaven. When, <clears throat> when you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, that was a gimme. He said, okay, I'm bringing you into my kingdom. You get to come to my kingdom when you die. Okay. So I'll just sit down. No, no, no. Now the work starts. What? Being diligent, diligent, seeking after the Lord, being active. That's all this thing was the other day. This return is being active for the Lord. Let's stand this morning. And then verse 2 says this. It says, set your mind or your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. If your mind and your carries and your worries are on this earth, you got problems. But if you'll set your mind on God, you set your affections on the Lord and everything in your life will change. I don't know how many, and I used to be one of them. I know you can be a Christian and full of rage. You say you can't be a Christian and full of rage. Yes, you can. I was one of them. Listen, I'm telling you right now, give that over to the Lord. It's not godly. If you're a husband and you're not participating in your family, give that over to the Lord. It's not godly. It goes. If you're a wife and the same thing, give it over to the Lord. You got an addiction in your life and you're a Christian, give it over to the Lord. He took it. For, he took those addictions at Calvary. He took your sickness at Calvary. He took your sins at Calvary. He covered you by the blood of the Lamb. He healed you and He made you into the person that He wants you to be. Why not? Why not accept all the benefits of the cross? What are the benefits of the cross? I've been saved healed delivered and i'm going to live forever that's the benefits of the cross i'll say it again i'm saved i'm healed i'm delivered and i'm gonna live forever isn't that neat you say pastor you're not going to live forever i told you this is just a shell this is just a shell i am going to live forever and you are going to live forever somewhere either in heaven or eternal damnation but you're going to live because man is everlasting. You know, we talk about the word eternal only is given to God. God is eternal Father. We are everlasting creatures. We were created to live forever. Hey, Lonnie, how about you and Shane and, and Doris come up to the piano? And Well, not all three of you come to the piano, but Doris, you go to the piano. The rest of you come to your guitars. Vicki, come on up here. And you guys play whatever the Lord wants you to play. Verse 3, verse 3, I like this. Everybody look at me. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is what the, the, the cross did for you through Christ. This is what the cross did for me. For I have died, and my life is hidden with Christ in God. When, when I read that one day, a number of years ago, all of a sudden, everything just fell off of me. And, and if you can look at that, fear will just dissipate. And the reason why it will is because you died. You're already dead. And then new life came into you, and you're hidden with Christ in God. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Wow. 
That should put joy down inside of you. That should say, wow, you know what? I can't be defeated. Father God, we thank you and we give you praise. And Lord, there is none like you. And Father God, we, we believe that you are the healer. We know that you are. And Father God, we're going to change our prayers. We're going to change our prayers from fear to victory. And Father God, your word says that we can come to your throne with boldness and with confidence. Right into the kingdom. And so we give you praise for that.